My name is Eddie Kira, and I'm the producer of a short film documentary, a film called Blacks Can Swim. The aim of the film is to understand why a disproportionate amount of black people and ethnic minorities can't and don't swim. On my journey to find the truth, I have the pleasure of speaking with a playwright who describes herself as an evolving human, mother, writer, and singer. She was shortlisted for the Nick Dark Award for playwriting in 2018 and was a recipient for the Kit Dewar Scholarship in 2017. Sandra Brown Springer, welcome to In the Deep End with Edekira. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> good, good, good. So, can you swim? Indeed I can, yes. So, do you have a story? I'm sure you do. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so I swim, I swim, I'm a strong swimmer. I can swim, um, when, I, when I go swimming, I, I routinely do 30 to 40 lengths. Each length is 25 meters. Um, so, yeah, so I, I swim quite a lot. So, so, so when, when did you learn how to swim? Okay, so I learned um, during school. Um, I remember going with the primary school to uh, Camberwell Baths when I was a little girl. And then again, I was lucky enough to go to a secondary school in Lambeth, which had its own pool. And um, yeah, so we used to have swimming every week. As a mother, I've, I've taught my children to swim and I've observed myself from going along with the school to assist, uh, you know, um, chaperoning and also from observing when I'm in the pool. Um, I like to watch the children swim. It gives me great pleasure to watch them swimming and playing. Um, and you see, you know, a, a lot of the children have a fear. They have this very obvious fear of, of the water. And and it's, it, I guess it can be really overwhelming, you know, if it's not an environment that you're used to, you know, it's, it's, you know, you've got this huge body of water and your mum's not there. And, you know, you know it depends on... on the dynamic of your class and your state, you know, your status in, in the pecking order of the class, all these other things come into play. But I guess I must have had a natural aptitude for it. I must have, because my mother has a phobia. She was born on a Caribbean island, Dominica, and she has a phobia because she witnessed her brother being attacked by a crocodile, yeah, mm -hmm. in the lake. So she has never swum. Because of that, that yeah. he cites that as a reason why, which you can't really argue with. Um, although I do consistently try to get her in the pool because of all the benefits that are associated with swimming, and she's seen how it's, it has actually changed my life. Um, and uh, so my mum was, you know, my dad wasn't really very involved in that, you know, in, in the parent side of, of, of things. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a school. Yeah, and I, I understand exactly what you're saying because even at my age, when I'm going on holiday, my mum goes, "Stay, watch the water, stay away from the water." What? <laughs> I'm like, mum, I'm a grown man. Yeah, yeah, but don't mess with the water. <laughs> so, so you see those phobias. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it does pass down. It is passed down the generation. So, yeah. So I get what you're saying. I do get it. Your friends and family, especially your friends from different cultures, and so, do you see a difference in attitude between 
the black side of your friends, the black and ethnic side of your friends, and the white side of your friends? Um, yes, I would say yes. I have, you know, <laughs> in 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 the early days when I started to swim, people really thought I was mad um, because. You know my my black and ethnic. You know my black friends. You mm. know they. Why are you? You know they would cite hygiene. You know it's filthy. The pool's really dirty, and um, and the hair thing obviously was a huge. Yeah. <laughs> so they really couldn't understand when I started to swim uh, regularly, which was about fifteen, sixteen years ago. I had dreadlocks, and um, they were quite long, and um, you know people would would amazed that I would you know go swimming and get my hair wet and you know question (laughs) my sanity as to why I would do that but you know for me it's never been an issue you know it's just you get in the pool and you do what you're doing and then you come out and you have a thorough shower you know you, you shampoo and condition your hair and it's really not that huge a deal for for me it wasn't anyway and um Nowadays, I, 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 swimming has become so much a big part of my life that, you know, I don't have, the friends that I have now, they're all swimmers. You know, my, my close friends are all swimmers. I, and, you know, I, I can see that women, black women in particular, have, you know, they're not so sensitive to the whole swimming thing, the water thing now. Hats that you can buy that accommodate long hair, Afro-type hair. The choices of swimming attire has become more it's expanded. So there's lots of different things that you can wear if you've got body confident issues. And um, yeah, so so now, whereas when I started, I was often routinely the only black person in the pool. Now it's not like that. You know, when I go swimming. There's usually somebody else of colour. Uh, there's usually always another person of colour in the pool. It's changing, which is a great thing. And, and, and that's what this campaign is all about. To encourage us to confront our fears, address the stereotypes and dispel all those myths that um, many of us have been hiding behind. It's, it's, it's something that comes up from time to time when I'm speaking to people about, about swimming. They say, oh, it's so expensive. Is this, I mean, what's what's your what's your view on what's your take on that? I I I, I guess it's about what what you think is important, isn't it? Because if you think something's important, you'll find the money for it. You know, we talked about hair and the, the amount of money that people spend on on their hair. People find the money for that. You know, nails. People find the money for that. You know, uh, I don't even know how much they cost, but I imagine you know it's twenty thirty pounds. My swim, I, I have a swim monthly pass, and it costs me, at the moment, it costs me £35 a month, so I can go and swim whenever I want. But that's just over a pound a day, you know? And for me, that's excellent value for money. If I look at what I get out of it, when I started swimming, um, because I, although I learned as a child, I didn't, it wasn't really part of my life. Um, through my late teens and early 20s until I had an injury. Um, I had a really big baby and my back, um, as not, not just a baby's fault, I was really, really overweight. Yeah, I was morbidly obese. 
and um, my, I had a really great doctor who advised me on my eating uh, habits. She taught me a lot about nutrition, and she also advised me that the best possible exercise for me in the state that I was in was to swim. And because I was in such a desperate physical state, I, I was in, in a lot of pain also, I, I went straight to the pool. And, um, and it really changed my life. There's not only is there the physical benefits of swimming because, you know, there's no pressure on any of your joints, you know, you're completely weightless in the water, and um, um, so there's that. Oh, sorry. And also it exercises every muscle in your body, yeah, swimming. Um, so there's that. And then there's also like the sort of, um, sort of like, uh, it's like therapeutic in terms of, it's, it's for me, you know, you, you, it's kind of a solitary exercise. You can sort of empty your mind and just sort of be one with the water if that doesn't sound too crazy. For me, it is real therapy. And you can't really put a price on your, on your health. So for me, I think it's great value for money. That's my take on it. Yeah. So, so we've covered um, um, the life skill element of it. We've covered the, the physical element on it and, and also the recreational. And the, it has a, a, an effect on your mental and your mental health as well. So Absolutely. like you said, there's no, there's no excuse not to swim. So from a cultural diversity point of view, it's clear that black people and ethnic minorities are less likely to swim and as a result more likely to drown so to speak mm. is there any responsibility that should be taken by the the government the education system and the media on this i do feel like it's good i mean in an ideal world then yes you know in an ideal world you know i mean because we do have some media outlets that focus on on you know people of color and it would be good if, if they could take up the cause and sort of bring it to people's attention that this is not just a fad for, I don't know, <laughs> people that are well off. It's not. It is a real life skill that can save your child's life, save your life. Also, if you're ever in a, a fix in this climate of global warming, even if you don't think about going on holidays and things like that, the climate of global warming, you never know when you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're going to need to be able to swim. So it's, it's a, a, a life skill, a vital life skill, and I think that it would be good if our, you know, uh, media outlets that, that are tailored to, to people of colour would, would take it up and start to try to raise awareness. I think that would be a great idea. Um, I'm not sure how we can get them to do that, though. Um, Me and the team are working on it. We're going to have to do something because, like I said, um, Africa has the highest um, drowning rate, followed by Asia. A black child is more has has five point five times more likely to drown than a white child, which is not good. And then yeah, and there's and, and there's so many stories you hear about, um, both in that in the, in the around the world, America, the UK, about black children drowning in the pool by the seaside, know that kind of thing, and it's. It's, it's something that we just don't talk about. Um, yes. one, one, something that someone told, and quite a few people have told me this, is that this, they've highlighted that since I brought out the film, since I released the film, it's made more people comfortable, more people feel more comfortable talking about it mm. than before. But because before it was, you know, the racial 
element of it was was very strong. So you know, even though people knew about the issue with uh, our relationship with swimming, it was something you couldn't really talk about. You know, um, uh, the yeah. risk of offending someone. But um, it's a black person who's brought out this film. It's a black person who's talking about this, and there's black people yeah. in the film talking about their stories and about their personal. So I'm hoping that this will encourage more people. You know, to talk about it and do something about it. So yeah, so yeah. Great cause. I think I think you should be commended for doing this. I remember, you know, years ago. I don't know if you remember. There was um, a, a swimmer. I can't remember what her name was. A white woman who she, she said publicly that black people can't swim because we're our bones are too dense. Something, yeah. something. And she's claimed that she wasn't being racist because her husband was black or something mm. like that. And and it's things like that which. I mean, I've always, as I said, I've, I've, you know, I was a really, really overweight person, and you know, if I can swim, anybody can swim. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about how big you are, it's not about how heavy you are. You know, I mean, look at the the, the ships that weigh how many tons that float on the water. Yes, you know, yeah. it's, it's a really silly. You know, because everything comes down to how you look at it, your perspective, and um, I think that's the main problem. Uh, you know, if you the cost. Yeah, it depends how you, you know, if you, you know, if, if you could say that it's really expensive, but, you know, if you go to McDonald's and you go to the Cinnabon, you know, that's going to cost you the same as it would to take your child to swim, probably more. And, you know, you'd have so much more fun in the pool than I think, personally, than, than sitting, you know, in front of, of a screen for two hours and then kind of filling your face with junk food. You know, you'd, it's, it's so much better for you. And you'd have so much more fun, and and your child would actually learn something, you know. So I do really think it's all about mentality, you know. But I, I guess, like with me, I had a reason, you know. My reason was purely selfish. I wanted to be healthy, um, and I guess that if people can understand that there is a good reason to 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 go to the pool and to 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 learn how to swim, then they they will they will hopefully. Uh, you know, look at the whole issue a little bit more. Yeah, and, and and it's good to be it's good to be selfish. It's good to be wanting. It's good. It's good to be in a position where you want to save your life. I mean, if that's means, <laughs> yeah, it's true, though, isn't it? You've only got one life, and you you have to be selfish about it. I want to save my life. I want to, you know, if I was in a situation, I want to save my loved one's life. Mm-hmm. So, so Sandra, t- tell us a bit about yourself. I want I want to hear more about your playwriting. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Okay, so I've always liked writing, I've always loved reading, I'm a bit of a bookworm, um, so yeah, I have a love of words. I did my degree in the, when did I do my degree? 2009, I think I graduated, and, and, but I had a small child and I wanted to go on and do more um, reading, um, more in academia, but I felt like I had to be a mum and sort of not to be so selfish and to devote myself to the children. I have a big daughter who, with her partner, they identified later, you know, about eight years down the line, um, a scholarship, and they encouraged me to apply for it. That was the Kit Diwal Scholarship for Working Class Writers, because doing my master's has always been a dream, you know, it's, it's you know, I really want to do my PhD, I want to lecture, I want to spread my love of words, you know, I want people to understand the benefits of, of, of reading and, and art and how it can enrich your life. So anyway, so I, I applied for the, 
for the uh, scholarship and I got it and um, I, I did my, my master's. And in the first year of my master's, I had a, play, a playwriting module with a wonderful lecturer called Colin Teven, I believe that's his name, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And um, I have never really been to the theatre, I guess I've been there maybe four times in my life, and um, I learned so much about the theatre and playwriting and, and characterization and all this stuff. So I sat down and I wrote a play. We were all encouraged to write, write a play. We were told, basically, that we were going to write a play in 12 weeks, which is what I did. And um, I wrote a play called Seb Souls, which was about a black family in Brixton who the patriarch had, and his wife, they had purchased a uh, property um, under the arches in the railway, under the railway um, lines. And um, it was under threat because the railway is being developed. And um, it's kind of based on what's actually happening in Brixton at the moment. You know, the whole area has been gentrified and um, long-standing residents, long-standing shopkeepers have, have had to move. And um, so basically I wrote this play around that. And it's also got, you know, lots of issues to do with identity, uh, culture, uh, community, etc. So um, I finished the play, uh, redrafted it a few times and then sent it off to this competition. And I was really shocked when it was shortlisted because, as I've said, I'm a new writer and I have no experience with the theatre. Um, and I was shortlisted with uh, a guy that wrote for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, wow. He, I know. And he also uh, wrote books on how to, how to write, how to write for theatre. And uh, the woman that won the Nick Dark Award 2017, she's currently writing for Netflix. She couldn't come to the award because she was on set writing for Netflix and other big things. And so everybody apart from me that was shortlisted have already had plays staged and stuff on the telly. And so it was a real, it kind of blew my mind a bit. I, I was a little bit deflated not to have won, but I, you know, it really did my ego a lot of good <laughs> being shortlisted amongst these people. Oh, definitely. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm currently writing another play about, and this one is set in a laundrette. I, I used to work in a laundrette when I was younger. And so it's, it's again, and it's, it's around identity and da 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 da, da But, um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, called Washed Out, and um, it's, it's set in a laundrette, and I'm putting the finishing touches to that, and I'm hoping I can get one of these plays staged in Brixton soon. We have a theatre that's being built down the road, so I'm hoping that um, I can get one of them staged soon. When, when it happens, just please let me know, because I definitely want to see that. Sandra, thank you very, very, very much for um, taking your time out to come and speak to us in the deep end. And hopefully together we'll be able to change the perception of people and swimming. I think we're about to change a generation. So thank you very much, Sandra. Much oh, appreciated. It's my pleasure. Thank you.